Friday Krikos fam. Port fam. That's a fucking shit sandwich to have to do this review, but, you know, when you get into doing stuff like this, even as an amateur as myself, when you're doing, you know, content to support your team um, and talk about your team, means that sometimes when they, um, you know, they win big, it's fucking lots of fun. When they lose big, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a shit show, but you got to do it. Um, you got to do take the bad with the good, the good with the bad. It's part of being a sports fan, and, a, and certainly um, not just a sports fan, but a um, a member and and a lover and a and a diehard, and a, you know, born with it um, disease of um, sporting Port Adelaide. <laughs> um, it's a, it was a fucking shit house night there on Saturday night. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't watched the game back because why the Fuck, why the fuck would I do that to myself unless I was getting paid for it? I'm not getting paid to, for this, so I'm not going to spend three hours of my life um, re-watching that when I could just do what a sane human being does and just, you know, do something that makes me happy, like, um, you know, um, grate my fingers with a cheese grater or something like that. That would be more fun. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm just being, <laughs> just being super. The only way you can get through this is to laugh and be as self-deprecating as possible, really. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched it back, but I was down there, obviously, on Saturday night. Um, yeah, drove down there in a good mood. Drove back um, absolutely uh, catatonic. <laughs> um, you know, I, so I, so yeah, I'm obviously reviewing this from having viewed it in person there, which obviously you get a different view than if you watched on TV, so if I say some things that um, you saw differently, then feel free to let me know. Um, you know, I see it from my view from my seat. You don't sometimes get the overall view. And again, I was not going back and spending three hours of what little time I have, um, you know, spare time with work and all that um, to rewatch that. Uh, <laughs> it, just, it just wasn't going to happen. I'm busy enough as it is. Um, I certainly rewatched plenty of poor matches, but I just wasn't going to put myself through that because I need to get through this week and I don't need to go through that again. Um, but yeah, I spent, I saw most of the game from my seat, um, probably, well, actually the first two and a half quarters, I think halfway through the third quarter, I got up and grabbed a, just, just grab one drink to enjoy on the hill, um, while I, uh, ponder, ponder life really, um, and, uh, and, and didn't probably see too much of the last quarter cause I was just kind of just, I was just kind of just on my phone. I just didn't want to, I just was going to stay there, but I wasn't wasn't actively watching too much of it at that point because I was just like, this is this is over. Like, it, what am I seeing here? So yeah, the last quarter, really, all I noticed was it felt like what I was watching. Um, as you know, fans slowly filtered out, and look, you know, you can be you can be uh, you're a real camper in the in the in the camp of you shouldn't leave until the game's over, which is just how I am. I just figure I've got to stay, and that's my duty as a fan. But I, I certainly, someone wants to get out of there early because they just can't be fucking fucked with this anymore. I'm not gonna call you. I'm not gonna call you out or anything like that, like some people do, because it's just yeah, yeah. My belief is you know stand by your team um, until the end if you're there. But um, you know if people want to leave early, whatever. What I just what it felt like to me watching from the hill there and uh as I sipped away on a on a quiet CC before I made the long trek home. Um it was reminiscent and this is why the music at the start was what it was. Um it was reminiscent of you know in Ghostbusters, like the original Ghostbusters. When uh well the Peck, the EPA guy. Um he's the he's the dickhead in Ghostbusters and he's the dickhead in Die Hard. He's just 
the classic 80s bureaucratic dickhead. Um, he comes down there and he's, he's going to shut the Ghostbusters. He's going to shut the, he's the EPA. He's, you know, he's like, oh, you've got to shut this down. It's in, it's in violation of the Environmental Protection Act and all that stuff. And they're like, if you shut it down, all hell's going to break loose. And he's just like, you know, he's like, oh, I don't care. I'm a fucking, I know what I'm doing because I'm a fucking dickhead. You know, I'm going to shut your Ghostbusting storage system down. And they're like, okay, well, you know, we fucking told you, but, you know, whatever, you're a dickhead, so it's true, this man has no dick. Um, so he shuts it down, and, the, you know, the roof blows off the top of the firehouse there, and and um, and all the ghosties and ghouls and goblins and whatever, um, you know, disappear into the night sky of Manhattan, and, and, and all hell breaks loose, quite literally. Um, that's what I felt like I was watching on Saturday night, was the soul and the spirit of our of our season lift out of like I felt like I could almost see it above the oval like the spirit of our season just drifting away into the night sky <laughs> because it just felt like that. it just felt like there was so much the energy in the Adelaide Oval got progressively worse very quickly it like tumbled it was like um uh it just exponentially grew with every passing moment that got worse and worse with the performance and the goals piled on from Hawthorne all that stuff just made it get worse and worse and worse. And the energy in the building, you know, there was energy at the start of the game. It was great. We were all, you know, never tear us apart. Everything was great. And then very early on, it felt that you could kind of get the feeling that things weren't going to be as easy as we hoped. Um, and then obviously by the last quarter, it was just like, you yeah, know, and that's about the time when I just thought all the spirit, like I couldn't, you know, obviously couldn't actually see anything. It wasn't nothing like that was going on, but it felt like it had that vibe of all the spirits and everything was disappearing and, and that fucking dickhead had um re- had had released had shut down the system that was uh keeping you know whatever magic we had the last two years even though obviously it didn't end with a grand final or anything but we still were good it felt like that guy coming and shut down the storage system was, that was keeping all that in check and all the fucking spirit and the stuff had lifted into the night sky and left us with these these uh these broken players on the field and broken coaching and all that stuff um it was horrible it was just horrible um so with that um weird analogy aside um great soundtrack ghostbusters though very vibey like i mean obviously the ray parker jr ghostbusters song is like who you're gonna call is very famous but you know the vibey 80s synthy stuff in ghostbusters is really good um Maybe that was just, maybe I just wanted to use that analogy just to talk about something that makes me happy before I get into talking about all this depressing shit that is this game. But anyway, um, Ghostbusters, cool movie. Anyway, let's get into talking about this fucking shit sandwich. Alrighty, so obviously just starting with the performance itself before we get into different aspects of who who is to blame and whatever. Um, performance from all aspects was absolutely insipid, embarrassing, and one of the worst nights in a long time to have been a Port Adelaide fan at a game. I've last year leave I was pretty embarrassed with the preliminary final, but at least I just went there was preliminary final. Sometimes this shit happens; it shouldn't, and there were issues that came out of that preliminary final that I hoped would be rectified, and I clearly haven't been. But um, I think just because it was a preliminary final, and maybe that's a a little bit of my, like my own fault as well, and a fault within how I read the preliminary final. I just wasn't as I was no, I was embarrassed at the preliminary final. It's, it's, I think I've made that pretty clear that I was pretty disappointed with it, and it affected a large part of my off season and how I was thinking and my own expectations of this year. I was a little, I've, I've been a bit shaky in the off season as to how I expected this year to go, because I just hoped 
that we'd done something to rectify the situation. But I think that's what makes Saturday night even more fucking embarrassing and more fucking frustrating and just absolutely um, just a, one of the more um, frustrating and infuriating nights I've been a part of. Like more infuriating than the preliminary final, mainly because the preliminary final is so clear and fresh in our memories as a recent experience as to what happens when our team is not prepared, is not coached, and is just con- completely overwhelmed by just a team just functioning. Just function as a fucking team. And guess what? You're going to get passport Adelaide because we can't fucking... If you're going gonna to run with some flair and some spirit in your game... And and some confidence in your own abilities, and just and have some structure with that. You know, a blend of um, belief in your system and belief in your own um, talents and abilities to play football. And you're probably going to have a pretty good shot against this Port Adelaide side at the moment because they are so overcoached in the in all the wrong ways that they're just mentally weak in the sense of I don't think any of these players are actually mentally weak. And I'll get to that in a bit, just as a way of trying to be. I'm not. I'll be as middle ground and nuance and try to be constructively critical as possible but I think there's a mental weakness within our side as a total unit not in at an individual level because of something that's going wrong in between the coaching and the execution of whatever the game plan is meant to be which clearly isn't working because it hasn't you know it's worked to a functional level to get into finals but it hasn't worked at a functional level to actually be able to compete in games with a high-level opponent. Now, Hawthorne probably wasn't what we expected to be a high-level opponent, but they played the game at a high level the other night, which maybe shows the parity that does exist within the AFL as far as when a team is just in good form um, and has players that can execute fun- functionally well, then they can then they, you can beat anyone on any day, um, clearly. Um, maybe Hawthorne are going to be a bit better this year than people expect, but we still shouldn't be losing by that much, and that's where the issue comes from. But, yeah, that's why it is so embarrassing, though, is because, and this is why, to me, this one is a lot more embarrassing than the preliminary finals, because we, could, we couldn't compartmentalise the com- preliminary final loss if it was just, and even the after the preliminary final, we all said, you know, I've said it um, in uh, many of my reviews of games that didn't go our way last year, that there were issues that... Um, if they didn't get rectified, that would come back to bite us in a big way, and the preliminary final was that. But then you hoped after the preliminary final, because that was such an alarming, um, high high stakes, um, obviously uh, well-known being a preliminary final, the entire AFL world's eyes are on you as well. Um, so a lot of people see that performance, um, and it's, it's hard, you just can't hide from it. But apparently we have tried to, because we didn't rectify any of that in the off-season. Now, whether... This is the thing that, um, you know, our fans and members demand accountability. Uh, this is what we want to, this is why we do, because we don't, we still don't know kind of at a clear um, and transparent, like truly transparent level, what kind of things were done in the off season to try to rectify whether there was heart. Like, and then we have, was it Zach Butters that said the review of this week's game, like the Hawthorne one, um, I think, I can't remember if it was on SEN or 5AA or whatever um, network it was, I've only read the kind of transcript posted version of it, but he said it was one of the harshest reviews, he's maybe one of the harshest reviews he's been a part of um, in football, and he should be saying, he should have been saying that after the grand final as well. And I'm sure there was a harsh. I'm sure there was a review. Um, the players' group should, certainly. And I certainly think the players' group definitely felt that grandfather. But 
this is the thing. There is a culpability on the players to um, perform, and they're underperforming at the moment as well. But when they're underperforming at such a total total unit level, like everyone is underperforming in a way. You know, Sam Pepper had a pretty good night the other night, like one of the few shining stars. Um, but as a general rule, the entire playing playing unit is drastically underperforming. Um, not just underperforming, but look devoid of confidence in... You know, if a team's confident in the game plan and what the coaches are putting out there, they're going to perform at a lot better level because they're going to believe in the system, but there just doesn't seem to be any belief in what we're trying to do. And to me, that's a coaching thing. We've seen it. We, we see it in all sports around the world, don't we? We see it in, you know, soccer, um, basketball, um, NFL, whatever, whatever sport you want to talk about um, that, you know, you can have a group of talented players, but if the coach isn't, if the coach isn't bringing that kind of confidence or there's a, there's an overcoaching aspect or you're not coaching to the best abilities of what you, the players' talents that you've got in your, you know, whatever coaching style you might be going for, you know, I'm, we're watching Winning Time, the series about the, you know, Showtime Lakers at the moment that's on um, Binge or Fox, you know, it's an HBO show, whatever network you happen to be watching in Australia, or we're watching it on Binge at the moment, but, um, you know, obviously in America you'll be watching HBO or whatever. Great show anyway. Um, you know, Adam McKay and, you know, Vice, The Big Short, um, The Other Guys, which is highly underrated, smart comedy. Um, it's a it's a, it's a kind of uh, a comedic look, but a very... A dr- com- drama comedy look HBO show so I guess you get the idea from that um, at the you know how the Showtime Lakers became a thing um, and the latest episode was when Jack McKinney comes in to coach him um, my Portland Trailblazers uh, former assistant uh, to the great Dr. Jack Ramsey who brought us a title in 1977 um, with you know likes of oh, by the way little I was a little peeved when um, I think whatever it's uh, John C. Riley's Jerry Buss character or someone talks about how um you know jack ramsey winning winning the title in 77 with a bunch of nobodies and i'm like well bill walton was a league mvp a finals mvp six man of the year and won two titles um you know and maurice lucas lionel hollands like some good players up there in portland but hey i'm i'm blazers fan so i'm gonna be peeved anyway i'm getting way off tangent um but, uh, you know, he, he comes down, Jack McKinney comes down to coach the Lakers and he comes in with a completely new game plan. He has this idea of how basketball can be played in his head, but he's not sure if it's even possible because it's such a, it's a, it's, it's you know, a revolutionary idea at the time, I guess. It's just being, you know, a little bit more flow in the game and what the Showtime Lakers became was, you know, playing basketball in a way that was showy, um, but also fundamental basketball is just in a different way. You know, you can... You can use the fundamentals of basketball to be showy as well. Cause just the simple idea in this episode was like <laughs> the point guard taking the the inbounds, just being on the move when you get the pass rather than be stationary, and then you know just moving around a little bit more, having a bit more flow in your game rather than being stationary. You know when when you pass the ball, then keep moving. You know pass and move um, basketball. Um, I'm not like an X's and O's guy with basketball, so. If I'm explaining that wrong, but you know, you get the idea. There's like a there's an idea of the game that, he, and he's trying to infuse an idea of the game that uses the um, the talents of the players and like obviously the Magic Johnsons and all that stuff helps as well. Like he needs to have a team that had the talent to be able to do these things. But then this is the thing with Port Adelaide: we're meant to have that team, right? We've been Jason Cripps has been working his ass off for years now to try and give 
Ken Hinckley a team of the players he wants, the forwards he wants. You know, we've done some pretty high profile, we've done a shitload of high profile trades over the last few years, actually, as well as drafting some pretty good young talent. Um, so we're meant to be giving the the team on paper is meant to be this team that can compete for top four and premierships. So where where's it going wrong with coaching? And that's why when you can we can give all the culpability to the players. Um, we can we can, and this is the thing with the nuance and being able to be constructively critical. And it's kind of like this fucking this Chris Chris Rock and Will Smith stuff from the Oscars. It's like it's okay to say that yeah, Chris Rock's joke was at worst it was in poor taste, but that doesn't mean that he ever got to deserve to get hit for it. Um, and that's the thing with this Ken Hinckley stuff is that we can say that he's um. We can say that we're Port Adelaide fans and that we want the success of the team, but we can also say that we don't think Ken Hinckley's the man for the job and we can support the notion of him being replaced. That doesn't mean we're not supporting the team. That doesn't mean I want I want us to smash the fucking Grows this weekend and I want us to win every game for the rest of the year. And then we hopefully win a grand final and then at that point I'll say, okay, cool, Ken Hinckley finally did it. But then it's the, this is the fucking infuriating thing at this point is now... I think we've left a premiership or two on the table because of Ken Hinckley for holding on so long. So there's going to be this thing, and I've always I've had it with Mark Williams as well. I was thought like I think, and I love Mark Williams, and what that grand final 2004 is one of the greatest memories of my life. I think we 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 underachieved in that period too because we should have had at least two. Now that Brisbane team was great, but we finished top three years in a row and we're the best team in the comp. We only won one out of that, um, and. This is the thing with Ken Hinckley now too. It's like we could run the table the rest of the year and win the premiership and I'll happily get a Ken tattoo and be absolutely stoked because premierships are so hard to win too. That's the thing. You don't, you don't have any right to win a premiership. Um, every sports league and every every sports fan is playing in a losing, you know, it's kind of like going to a casino um, with $100 and expecting to win. You're not, you, you, you hopefully are going to come out with some, but you're more than likely... And the odds are heavily, heavily stacked against you that you're going to lose the money rather than um, build on it. And that's the thing with um, being a football fan or a fan of any sporting team is you're more than likely going to end the year disappointed every year. And some teams just get lucky and have a dynasty. Some teams just win one every now and then. And some teams inexplicably lose a lot more than they than they should. You know, they have bad, you know, St. Kilda fans, for example. So premierships are incredibly hard to win. Saying that, you need to make the effort, every effort to win them. And at this point, this is where the Port Adelaide coaching conundrum comes into comes into shape, is that we just don't know, it feels like we are accepting this constant malaise. Um, and yeah, the last couple of years have been pretty good um, as far as ending of the, you know, finishing in the top four. But then we seem to be satisfied with that, pat ourselves on the back, and then, and then accept, well, not accept, but, We've gone into this year and and we seem to be going backwards when we're meant to be going forwards and, and alarmingly backwards. And that is the real critical issue at the moment is that when you see a performance like that against Hawthorne the other night is there is an alarming, alarming step backwards that is impossible to reconcile as a fan. I can't reconcile with that performance. That is just an embarrassing, insipid, pathetic performance absolutely pathetic and in a night that we were meant to be honoring the memory of Russell Ebert as well is even more so um actually just you know completely embarrassing and upsetting as a fan to see all the stuff leading into the week 
about how you know Ken Hinckley's words were that we're going to be you know do it for us you know on a you know this that's the driving factor and then if all of that was a driving factor and and as well as just wanting to get the four points and the bounce back from a tough week up in Brisbane, how can you explain for that performance? How can you account for that performance? And it comes back to the again like I've explained, it comes back to the coaching staff more than the players. For me, if there was a majority of players performing and there was a few players drastically underperforming, maybe you could start pinpointing. And people are pinpointing the forwards, but then for me, the forward structure is, yeah, I think Todd Marshall could be playing better. I think Jeremy Finlayson could be playing better. I think Mitch Georgiades, who is the great hope in that forward line going forward with his kind of X-factor ability, he's had a poor start to the year. But all three of them are performing poorly. I can't help but think that's the structure and there's, they're, they're not getting in front. When you look at the the Hawthorne forwards, you know, getting into one on ones, leading from the getting into space, leading in front, and then our forwards are constantly just battling into traffic and and are behind. And uh, you know, I could I can look at some points where I think Marshall just didn't jump well enough and isn't and but is there just a lack? And then that 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 again comes back to a lack of confidence to me. And it, it was in the midfield as well. The amount of times you got guys moving through midfield and just they they look they look their eyes are darting around. Not in the way that a confident midfielder darts around just eyeing things off, you know, like a good quarterback in the NFL. You know, Tom Brady, his eyes are darting too, but he's confident. He's just he's just checking his reads. When our midfielders at the moment are moving through the midfield or whatever, or um, our backmen coming out of the back, they're looking panicked. They're looking panicked about where the next kick's going to go. They're not looking confident about it. They're looking panicked, and everyone's looking panicked. So I can't, I can't sit there. I can criticise that I think the forwards are could be doing a little bit more but then I'm not, I'm not sure how much more they can be doing in the sense of the entire structure is just so fucked right now and the delivery into the forward line is so fucked and it's all just fucked that I can't I just can't and so many players are performing below the level we expect of them Sam Palpepper is probably the only one that was at or above his level. Every single other player was below it for me on the weekend compared with what they know they can do. You know, I looked at my fucking fantasy team after, like, I have Butters, Amon, and Wines in my team, and they all fucking performed fantastically. I think Butters was 137, Wines might have been 140. Uh, Amon was 148. I fucking set him as... Ca- he, had, he had a better fantasy day than um, uh, uh, Petrarca did. And Petrarca's having a fucking fantastic start of the year. So, like, these guys are accumulating ball, but it's just not being... Because they're accumulating ball and they're, hand, and they're getting... They're stagnating around that midfield to half-forward range where they kind of kick it around, move it around, and they get... They just, but, and that's the thing. They panic. They're getting a lot of the ball, getting a lot of, but it's just panicked usage and shit delivering the forward line. And just none of it's, and it just none of it looks confident. None of it looks like that confident. Even Ollie Wines is coming off a record equaling Brownlow win and he just doesn't he, he's getting plenty of the ball and he's a great player but he just doesn't look as useful as he should because there's so much dysfunction in every aspect of the coming from right out of halfback you know some of those missed kicks and misplaced just and just and didn't look like anyone was where they were it didn't look like anyone that was had the ball when they looked up players weren't where they thought they were going to be so that to me is structural dysfunction all the way down the line, and obviously the forward line is the great, um, the real place where we notice it most because we're constantly, and I'll get into the stats in a moment, um, constantly 
uh, you know, just the the Ford Fifty structure is a constant bewilderment to fans. But um, to me, it's just st- structural dysfunction all the way down the line, and that just to me is just again goes back to the fucking coaching because what are we doing? We're o- either we're over coaching them, um, the, the coaching just isn't you know they're just getting so heavily coached into these stru- whatever the game plan is, which I I frankly have no fucking idea. Um, but they're not. It's just they're not the message isn't getting they're either don't know how to execute what they're being given which is again it's not just one or two players it's an entire team that isn't fucking functioning so to me that is um and the coaching staff part of coaching is getting your message across if you can't get your message across then you're not coaching and I don't know if it's you know you know the forward line is you know that's Nathan Bassett's area too and I don't know what I don't know if he's coaching from a backman's perspective about what he thinks a forward should do to combat the backman, but I I just I just think I just don't know what if at this point he's the man for the job there either because clearly it's not working. I don't know how much Ken Hinckley has to do with that, but then the entirety of the game plan and delivering to the forward fifty and what they're just it's just not working. It wasn't working last year, and they they kept their jobs while a few players, that, a few of our assistant coaches that left. Seem to be the one, you know, Michael Voss is going okay over there at Carlton. But they're going to win a flag this year, apparently. So for him to turn around, I'm obviously being um, somewhat sarcastic, but hey, they're in pretty good position right now. <laughs> I'd rather be in their position, um, which is not something I'd say too much about Carlton in the last 10, 20 years. But, you know, to me, there is the major issue here is coaching. And that's why it, this Ken Hinckley dialogue and discourse on the internet's is frustrating um, that we can't just have a we we need to get to a place. Uh, um, I mean, I'm at the place, and I think a lot of people are. But people need to be able to understand that you can say I'm a Port fan and I want us to win every game, but I also I'm a Port fan. I just don't think Hinkley's the man for the job, and that's okay. And that doesn't mean I think Hinkley, doesn't mean I think Hinkley's a dickhead. I think he's probably a nice bloke. Um, whatever, <laughs> it just doesn't mean he's a. I just don't. I have no faith in him, his ability to lead us to a to a premiership at this point. And that doesn't mean that he won't. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'd be fucking stoked to be proven wrong. Prove me wrong, please. Win a premiership this year or next year, and I'll be fucking stoked. I'll get his name tattooed on my fucking ass cheek. I don't care. Like, I'll happily do it. Because that premiership will mean the world to me. Because I'm a Port Adelaide fan, and that's all I want. So, yeah, I'm happy, happy for him to prove me wrong, but I... Until he does, he's not the man for the job. And even then, the premiership's left on the table. I don't know. <laughs> um, and that's the thing with coaching. Um, a good coach can get you to a certain place. A great coach. You need a great coach to get you over that hump. And, you know, people always talk about Damien Hardwick as a point of comparison because he took a long time to get you know, Richmond to that point of winning. Still didn't take this long though. Um, but you see that some of the qualities of coaches that, uh, you know, what are the qualities of the coaches that, um, you know, I look at Phil Jackson when he coached the um, the Chicago Bulls or, you know, the way he dealt with some of the, like, you know, the, the coaches that transcend um, coaching are the ones that, I just don't see Ken Hinckley as a coach that transcends coaching. He's a good coach. He's a, He's a damn good coach, to to I think, but there's a massive, massive difference between being a damn good coach and being 
a premiership coach. That's my that's my feeling on it. Phil Jackson for the you know obviously Chicago Bulls um, won the six with Jordan and just if if that wasn't enough goes and wins another five with the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe and then Kobe and Powell and all those blokes for a couple more at the end there. Um, here's the thing: like you watch all the documentaries, I'm sure people have plenty of people have watched The Last Dance. Some of the crazy things that you, you never expect a coach to do, like you know him just going Dennis Rodman, just got to let him go to Vegas for a couple of days we're not going to talk to him he's going to go there and probably fucking do a drink a shitload and look Dennis Robbins had plenty of issues so it's probably not like it was healthy but him as a coach he recognized Dennis Robin he marches to the beat of his own drum um he for some reason needs this weekend in Vegas or whatever it was I think it was like 48 hours he just they did not hear from him and then they fucking got him out of Vegas got him back and on the team and just no you know I, I it's been a while since I'd have read anything about the story but I just remember it from the last dance and reading a little bit about it a couple of years ago so I might be not getting the exact details right but essentially they just let him go they were just like no we just need to let Dennis do his thing for a couple of days and then he'll be back be back playing it's unorthodox but that's what that's what these guys that, that, that have that X factor as coaches do they understand the individuals and the players and the weird things you need to let happen for the magic to happen in winning titles. And I just don't I think Ken Hinckley's one of those blokes that just he's got he's got all the X's and O's. Well, actually not sure he has that at the moment, but he has so many of the qualities that make you a good coach on paper, like all the things you can do, all the boxes you can tick, all those things. But those things that make you your Bear Bryants, your Phil Jacksons, your um your Lombardis, uh, your you know I hate to say it because I'm not a Manchester, you know I'm a Liverpool fan, and your your Alex Ferguson's, but your Jurgen Klopp's, your Pep Guardiola's, your um, Jose Mourinho's, your Lee Matthews, um, you know you, you, Damien Hardwick and 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 Alistair Clarkson's for um, you know your your Foss Williams and your Jack Hales. You need there's an X factor there to what you do to extract that last that last 5% you need out of your players and your systems and the, and the things that you that that last 5% that is so much harder to get than the first 95% to get to 100% and get to that premiership winning team that last 5% is the hardest it is harder than the other the other 95% to get to that point that you are going to be a premiership contender and we were proven last year that we could get to that that 95%, which is getting to the preliminary final, that is getting to the grand final and then winning it is just that extra 5% is harder than all of that. It's like a, it's like doing the other 95% again, but squeezing it into 5%. Um, I hope I don't even know if that's making sense, but that's the point, though. Um, not not that it doesn't make sense. The point is that it's just... I just don't... I just... I don't have the faith that Hinkley has that at the moment. That doesn't mean if he... While he's there... I'm not going to turn up and support this team like I would if it was fucking if it was um, Lombardi as one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, if Bill Belichick was coaching Port Adelaide, I would not support them any more or any less than I do with Ken Hinckley as coach. I will turn up and support that team no matter who's coaching, um, as long as I you know obviously if he was doing something nefarious um, you know criminally or something that that's when you draw the line but if he's just not coaching well enough I'm still going to turn up and support this team 
but doesn't mean I can't sit here and it doesn't mean it makes me any less of a Port fan because you get the, there is this discourse online at the moment and a few people being caught up in it today where if you're you're saying you want Hinkley gone that you somehow makes you the worst fan on Twitter or whatever, um, you, you know, and people were trying and this is the the brevity of Twitter makes it a hard place to have these discussions because you know there was one guy on Twitter I won't name him but he's I, I like him I've met him um, he's a great bloke. Um, he was he basically in the wake of the game said, oh, you know, if you know, bright side of the crows, a loss to the crows would be able to highlight the issues more. And you can see his sentiment is basically saying, a loss to the crows would just highlight this even more to people who aren't seeing what's going on yet. And that, I know I agree with that sentiment. It doesn't mean I want to lose to the crows. And and he said today, he said that was heat in the moment. You know, I want us to beat the crows. But my point, you know, it's kind of the point is that. The, the but but people were like oh no that makes you a terrible fan and it's just like well no we're just saying that the the loss of the of hopefully beating the crows will just paper over the cracks a little bit you know what I mean because the Hinkley issue isn't going isn't going away with now if we beat the crows by a hundred points it might help a little bit and at least it would buy him some time and I hope we do beat the crows by a hundred points and we do buy him a little bit of time because I don't want to lose to those bastards but we'll get into a preview of that in a couple of days but um. Yeah, I just, you can have these discussions. You can have these discussions. It's kind of like having the discussion about, you know, the Chris Smith, Will, uh, Chris Smith, Will Smith, Chris Rock um, stuff. You can you can sit there and say one, both are wrong, but one was more wrong than the other, you know. And that's why we can say I'm a Port fan, but I also want Hinkley gone. And that's fine to say. That is fine to say in the wake of a performance like this because this performance was unfucking acceptable. And if you don't accept this performance, and that means you don't accept the coaching at this at this current moment in time, which means he's until he proves us wrong. And that's the thing: the onus is now on Ken Hinckley. While he's got the job, prove us fucking wrong. That's all you've got to do. It's if you if you think you've got the cojones to do it, then fucking do it. Prove me wrong. Prove everyone wrong. We'll be fucking stoked about it. If you prove us wrong and win a premiership and they release a bunch of Yes We Can t-shirts with a premiership trophy on them, I will fucking buy those and I will never take it off again. I'll get it tattooed next to the Ken tattoo. I'll get it on the other ass cheek. I'll get a, the graphic of whatever that shirt is. I will buy it and I'll wear it with pride. I'll wear a Yes We Can shirt with pride after the grand final win and I'll happily prove say I was wrong I'll fucking do a lap of fucking Adelaide Oval wearing nothing but Adelaide Oval Albert and Oval wearing nothing but that shirt and I'll be screaming yes we can yes we can running that lap we fucking stoked to do it because it would mean we were a premiership winner but until that time prove us wrong while you've got the job prove us wrong and if you lose the job it's because you weren't doing it well enough and that's how that's and that, that that's what you'll have to accept but just prove us wrong that's all I'm asking. Otherwise, you know, if you don't prove us wrong, then we were right the whole time. And that's it. <laughs> you know, that's where it's at at this point. When you're going to be going into a year where you're going to break the record for the longest tenured coach with a grand final appearance, you've had a pretty good long leash from the club and the fans, and that's why it's worn out at this point. And you've still got the job, and we'll turn up and support, but it's the onus is on you to prove us wrong now because we are done at this point. We are fucking done, and... It is on you to prove us wrong. So, anyway, we might as well have a quick read of the stats and see just the usual fucking story as to how the game went, which is a lot of statistical points that um, look pretty good for us apart from the fucking scoreboard. So, anyway, we'll take a quick break and uh, have a quick read of the stats. Is that that hard to understand? Please just read the stats. 
Variety statistical review time. It is fucking, it is the absolute fucking shit show reading through these stats and going, it just, this just proves how much of the, the, the kind of sideways shit we do and useless disposals we have and, and whatnot. And maybe somewhat proves kind of what I was saying about our players just looking lost with um, where they're going and kind of, that's why you get these kind of sideways ones and whatever, I guess. And, useless disposals because it's just amazing seeing um oh boy that's a run out sorry i'm, I'm watching the, the um pakistan australia odis in the background while i'm recording this so um travis had a nice little ton ton up but um after that he's lost, we've lost a couple of wickets since then so uh 209 for three in the 33rd though not bad um yeah but you look at we, disposals absolutely spanked him by 60 at 670 odd disposals 74 disposal plus 74 disposals now kicks plus twenty, handballs obviously plus fifty-four. Um, inside fifties, fucking usual story. Fifty-eight for us, forty-six for them. So you know, inside when you're getting almost sixty inside fifties and you're losing a game by sixty points, to get, so you you think, oh, if we've lost a game by ten goals and we've had fifty-eight inside fifties, so I mean, they must have had fucking seventy. They've had forty-six. Just what are we fucking doing? So disposal efficiency. Our disposal efficiency for the match was five uh, four four point one percent better than so seventy four percent for us, sixty nine point nine percent for them. So seventy four percent disposal efficiency, which is essentially almost three out of every four disposals are efficient disposals. But then, so then how again? How so that we're better than across the match of, of every disposal, four percentage points better than their disposal efficiency. Then, but again, we're losing by 10, 10, 10 goals. So to me, that is, is a, it's a game plan that, okay, so you're getting a lot of useless dispo, useless handy disposals because your game plan, the point of the game plan is to score. So if we're getting, you know, beating him on disposals and getting the ball inside 50 more and, and, and got better disposal efficiency, but then we're losing by 10 goals, that means if, I, all these stats are useless because the game plan's fucked if we're not, if we're not taking advantage of all this. Uh, control or seeming control at least of the footy and, and plenty of touches on the footy, it's all useless if you're losing by 10 goals because that, that means there's something fundamental going wrong because, you, you know, clearly we're just completely fucking it up in the forward 50 because we're not even, you know, we're not even a lot of those shots in goal that we had were just useless snaps from or just, you know, desperation snaps or, you know, kicks from um, you know, out of tr- it, just, it just wasn't working. So, and yeah, obviously um, with all that Plus, plus disposals and plus you know marks and ambles and all that kind of stuff and disposal efficiency in general in the field being better, but obviously you go to efficiency inside fifty and oh lo and behold a forty four point eight percent efficiency inside fifty, whereas Hawthorne a fifty four point three, so they're ten percent better almost inside fifty than we are, even though across the board uh, across the field we're you know having more disposals. Uh, more marks and all that stuff. So we'll get down to the stoppages again. Hit out um, Scott Lysett had continuing a pretty rough start to the year, um, being monstered in the hit outs. Twenty nine for us, fifty three for them. But then clearances again, we we absolutely smashed it. Fifty four clearances for the match, um, thirty for them. So a plus twenty four dis- uh, clearance advantage. Um, center clearances um, eighteen to eight again, plus ten uh, stoppage uh, thirty six to twenty two. So plus uh, fourteen. So st- clearances. We we're getting the ball out of the, the stoppages and the clearances and the center clearances. You know, eighteen center clearances 
for a fuck all um, inside 50 um, disposal efficiency is just all of these indicators are of a team apart from the hit outs obviously and you know we, the efficiency inside 50 all of these indicators are a team um, that should be handling uh, handling a team you know the, 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 the indicators you kind of expect from a team playing against the bottom a bottom four apparently team Hawthorne on the top of the ladder right now but yet we're, we're losing with 10 goals, which again just goes back to me. Coaching. The team is getting the pill. They're getting plenty of... They're getting the touches and the ball. So they're getting... Then there's something fundamentally clearly going wrong in what we're doing. You know, contested possessions were up. Uncontested possessions are obviously up. Um, turnovers uh, were at a plus five on them. So there's a little bit of it. It's still not a massive, massive margin that would make you think we're going to lose by 10 goals. So... <sighs> it's it's frustrating. Marks for the match eighty two to eighty with plus two on them, but then marks inside fifty. So you, we have plus what was it plus twelve inside fifties. Yet we're minus three on the marks inside fifty, and again that's the forward line structure just being completely fucked, just completely utterly fucked. Because we were at marks inside fifty against Brisbane, where mark you know we were plus plus on the mar- inside fifties and a lot of those key indicators in the Brisbane match as well. Um, but then you know the inside fifty marks were uh, well down, and at at total marks inside fifty for the first two games of our season are fifteen. Fifteen marks inside fifty for the first two games of the season. Hawthorne had twelve just in this match, so they've they've had three less marks um, in this match than we have for the entire season so far. Average, so you know the first two first two games of our season we're averaging seven and seven point five marks inside fifty. We should hope that one up, which is one of our forwards, has that many marks. I remember when Warren Treadray had a game and he had sixteen marks. I'm not all of them probably inside fifty. I think he had a, one of those monster games where he just had you know a shitload of marks in a game, and we fucking haven't even got that for the year yet inside fifty from all of our forwards. So all of our forwards just aren't doing the job. But it's again to me it's symptomatic of larger problems with our entire structure and, and game plan. Um, obviously, a lot of people are focusing on a couple of our key forwards, and there is a couple of them. You know, Marshall's probably the one that I think has the most um, at stake here and could possibly get dropped. I, I, I again, I again give Finlayson the benefit of the doubt. Um, that uh, I think Finlayson, yeah, like I said, he's 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 Troy in Community. So Donald Glover just walking into that that apartment and with the pizzas and the apartment being on fire, he's just got here and everything's fucked. So. I, I give Finlayson a bit more leeway than I do Marshall at this point, only because he's new into the system and realised how fucked it is right now. So, um, But again, I don't put the blame on them as much because I see a symptomatic issue because all of them are not having a good run. If one of them was markedly worse than the rest of them, but Georgiades doesn't look great so far, Marshall. And, and so, yeah, all these stats just show that we're just, we're just not getting the job done. Um <sighs> And to me, that's and you know the symptomatic. The issues are all symptomatic of the larger issue at play here. To me, which is the coaching, the, the message isn't getting through. And until that message starts getting through, and we start seeing improvements on that, then that's that's the entire point of coaching is to get your point across. So um, I can't remember. I don't know if there's any other stats here that really um, say much about what's going on. Yeah, whatever. They're in front for the entire match. Um, so that's a fun stat to look at. Time in front, just big old goose eggs for us, but a nice, a solid 117 minutes and 49 seconds for Hawthorne. So, 
Fucking good stuff. Well done, Hawthorne. Fuck me. What a just just what a fucking shit show. So uh, I'm just gonna have a sip of this beer and just figure out what I'm gonna say next and just to wrap this up. Just fucking because otherwise I'll just keep waffling on and complaining <laughs> at this point. Uh found a long necker sparkling ale in the fridge. It's probably been there for two years, so that's what's getting me through this podcast. And a nice solid 6.8% beer, which is absolutely needed after all that. Um, yeah, so this has been a longer review than I planned and possibly a little bit more rambling. I hope it made a little bit of sense for you all listening about where my head's at and where I'm trying to, the kind of message I'm trying to get across about where we're at. Um, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to pin the blame on any one thing, but it also am, I am pinning the blame on one thing. I just, I think the the players attack, you know, players attacking the ball has been left has left been left wanting, but I think that is symptomatic of like like I said to wrap up the general thesis. The players all look like shit, and I think when they all look like shit, that is symptomatic of larger issues at play here, which again is coaching. It starts at the top. The players are given a plan to go out there and execute, and if the plan isn't working, then that's on coaching for me and. Like I said, um, the onus is on Ken to prove us wrong at this point. Um, we've given him, it's been 10 years, happy for him to prove us wrong. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say he's, he's a, you know, I'm not going to sit here and um, personally attack the man or anything like that because he's done nothing to warrant that. That's, you know, that's me being as, you know, a, just a normal person. I'm just saying he's not doing the job. You know, and that's in any job. If you're not doing the job, your job's going to come under threat and you're going to be questioned about the job you're doing. I get questioned all the time because apparently I'm probably just, you know, I I just think I do a pretty good job, but I still get questioned. And that's, that's how you keep, I guess, um, uh, pressure on and, and keep people performing at a high standard. But um, and I know coaching is one of the hardest jobs in the world, but that's, um, as I said before, um, there's special coaches out there and, and getting to that level is incredibly hard. And, Ken's got to prove either that he can get to that level or, um, you know, it's time for someone else to take over. And at this point, I'm just ready for someone else, ready for fresh ideas, ready for whatever whatever may come. But while Ken stays in the seat, I will support this team and support this club because I love this club with every fabric of my being. And that's why I demand so much as well because I, I do put so much time and effort and love and blood, sweat and tears into this team and, and my love for this team and you know, they've been my team. They're the I support sports all around the world. I've travelled a lot and um support a lot of sports and teams, but this is this team, Port Adelaide, is my first team and my first love and forever will be that and I demand I demand highly of that because of the the history and the history and culture that are um that brought me into this club was of a club that doesn't like, and I guess this has got a nice way to finish. Port Adelaide has an exceptional quality about it that we demand more than a lot of it. You know, the the success that we've had in the past and the the, the words of the credence and all that stuff demands an exceptional level of performance at Port Adelaide that a lot of other clubs don't. So Port Adelaide in of itself is a club that demands that extra 5%, that 5% that's so hard to get is just our normal operating procedure. That's where we want to be constantly is in that 5% and getting towards perfection. And we're just not seeing that at the moment from, um, you know, it's a little bit, you know, the coaching staff isn't doing the job and obviously that's feeding down to the players. But then 
even above the coaching staff, we can start asking questions of the you know the people that are making those decisions of who is in those roles. That that's a part of it too. So it's all there. Um, there's a lot of people that have to prove us wrong. You know, it's right up to David Kosh and all those guys. We need to be proven wrong now, and that's what. Then that's the. I guess that's a nice, comfortable thing about being a fan. Is it's not. A, <laughs> we just have to sit here and say, hey, you need to prove us wrong. But this sport is nothing without the fans either. There is no Port Adelaide Football Club without the fans either. So that's why we are well within our rights as members and fans to art demand that. So we're demanding that right now. This is the open call. And then we need to, we need to see better. We need to see more. We need to see it, see it pretty fucking quick. Um, so, yeah. Pound the pair. I, lo- I fucking love this club. I love this club. I love the fans. I love this. I love the players. I love the players. And that's why it hurts so much is seeing... Some of our beloved players um, have to be part of this. So let's fucking go. There'll be a preview coming in a couple of days for the um, at the, the showdown this week, and I'll talk more about the showdown at that point. Um, but for now, oh, this has been the review of one of the fucking worst nights of my life. So fucking awesome. But Khan the Pair, it'll always be Khan the Pair, no matter what's going on. We'll always be there next week and next year and whatever it may be. This club's going to be around forever and we will be as fans too. But we'll be demanding the best from them at every turn and when we're not seeing it, we'll demand even harder. So that's what we're here for. Can't the pair. I'm going to finish this beer and fucking cry. Just kidding. I'm just going to finish the beer and watch the end of the cricket. Can't the pair.